All right, Mr. White, now I have 10 minutes to cross-examine you. Right. First of all, can we agree, Mr. White, that there is, in fact, no verse in the Scriptures that states that the Scriptures are the only rule of faith and practice? You might want to say, well, there's verses that say other things, but can we agree that there is no verse that does state that the Scriptures are the only infallible rule of faith and practice? The only way to agree with that statement is you put it this way. The only places in Scripture that address the rule of faith and practice identify it as Scripture. But do they state that Scripture is the only rule of faith and practice? Since that's the only rule of faith and practice they present, yes. Can you give me the verse which states that Scripture is the only rule of faith and practice? I gave it to you just a few moments ago in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. Is the word where the man of God who does the work of the ministry in the church of God is thoroughly and completely equipped for, and this is what a rule of faith is, Jerry, for his ministry in the church by that which is Theonustos. Excuse me. No, I want you to quote scripture, Mr. White. For every good did. work, it says. For every yeah. good work. Does yeah. it say for every doctrine? No. Okay, thank is you. Is doctrine a good work? I'm sorry, I can't ask questions. I'm sorry. But I would believe that. Now, well, Mr. White, if you're going to reinterpret good work and use it in the, in the most encyclopedic, exhaustive fashion, then I don't see why Protestants spend so much time attacking Catholics for their emphasis upon good works. Paul says, Mr. White, reprove you and doctrine in sure. verse 16. Sure. So he defines what well, those works are. Of course, are. that's a good work, too. Teaching and reproving is a good work. But does that verse teach Scripture alone in the use of those words? That is the only rule of faith that's given to us. Yes. You're not answering the question. No, if you, if you want the word only, no, it's not there. Okay, thank you. Just like it does not say the Book of Mormon. Excuse me, right. Mr. White. Thank you for the admission. Let's move on. The word sufficient in this passage by St. Paul applied to Scripture. To the man of God. Fine. Thank you for the admission. Scripture. But the scripture is not said to be sufficient, is it, Mr. White? If you want to use that kind of argument, I will leave you to uh, That's exactly the kind of argument I want to use, Mr. White, because you're saying we should not believe something unless it's taught in scripture. The scripture itself does not say in this passage that scripture is sufficient, does it, Mr. White? It's so the, the man term sufficient? No, it doesn't. It says that scripture you. is sufficient. I'm going to finish Let's that. Let's move on, it Mr. Says White. Scripture, no, I'm going to finish the answer. Let's scripture is sufficient to equip the man of God for teaching, doctrine, reproof. Mr. Correct. White, did the people in Jesus' day practice sola scriptura, the then hearers of our Lord? I yes have or no, said Mr. over White. and over and over again that sola scriptura yes is a no. doctrine that speaks to the normative condition of the church, not to times of inscripture. So your answer is no. That is exactly what my answer Thank is. You. It is no. Did the apostles practice sola scriptura, Mr. White? Yes or no? No. Thank you. Let me ask you, Mr. White, this simple question. Is there anywhere in the Bible itself an inspired table of contents? No, there's not. In your Bible, in your Bible, there is a table of contents, is there not? Yes. Is that table of contents theopneustos? No. And therefore, according to your own logic, you cannot be infallibly sure that that table of contents is absolutely trustworthy. Yes or no? No. I Thank can you. have just as much Thank assurance you. that you have that it's absolutely trustworthy. Thank you. But you admit, therefore, that that is itself not infallible. No, of course not. Mr. White, the Catholic, do you agree that the Catholic claims that he has an infallible knowledge 
of the contents of the Bible because the church has infallibly declared that. Yes, he claims so that. So your statement a minute ago that you and I are forced to have the exact same levels of, of certainty is not a correct Not at all. It's a perfectly correct because you have chosen to embrace the ultimate authority of Rome and your choice was a fallible choice and therefore anything that follows after that can have no more certainty than the fallible choice you made to sign over your responsibility to another authority that can then answer all the tough questions for you. But, but haven't your you done this thing to follow thing? Rome was a fallible choice. Just as your decision to follow the Bible is a fallible choice, to be I honest. Now, some opponents of Sola Scriptura have engaged in what can only be called cheap debating tricks in attempting to force the defender of scriptural sufficiency to prove a universal negative. That is, the less honest debater might attempt to force me to prove the non-existence of another rule of faith. Since I am saying that Scripture is unique in its function as the rule of faith of the Church, some might challenge me to demonstrate that no other rule of faith could possibly exist. To illustrate this, I call your attention to my pen. Yes, to my pen. If our debate this evening was that I was going to stand here and say this is the only pen of its kind in all the universe, how would I go about proving it? Well, the only way I could prove the statement there is no other pen like this in all the universe is if I looked in all of your purses and all of your shirt pockets and in all the stores in the world that carry pens and, and looked through all the houses and all over the, the planet Earth and the moon and the, 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 the planets and the solar system and the entire universe looking for another pen like this. And of course, I could not do that. But it would be very easy for Mr. Madrid to win that debate. All he needs to do is go out and get a cross-medalist pen, walk up, to, up here, hold it right next to mine and say, see, another pen just like yours. And he's won the debate. In light of this, I would assert that Mr. Madrid must either recognize this reality and not attempt to win this debate by doing nothing more than depending upon an illogical demand, or he must demonstrate the existence of the other pen. That is, he must prove to us what the Council of Trent said was true, I quote, it also clearly perceives that these truths and rules are contained in the written books and in the unwritten traditions, which, received by the apostles from the mouth of Christ himself or from the apostles themselves, the Holy Ghost dictating, have come down to us, transmitted, as it were, from hand to hand." End quote. So my task is to demonstrate that sola scriptura is unbiblical. I don't have to prove the case for tradition. Mr. White claims that I must be able to prove every point from Scripture alone. So sola scriptura itself must be proved from Scripture alone. And if it can't be done, sola scriptura is a self-refuting proposition, and therefore it is false. The attempt to shift the burden of proof, sometimes less scrupulous and honest Protestant apologists, will attempt to divert attention away from their very weak case for sola scriptura by claiming that the Catholic must prove the Catholic position on tradition. The Catholic Church can demonstrate the biblical grounds for this doctrine, but tradition is not on trial here tonight, no matter what Mr. White may tell you. Sola scriptura is on trial. If you don't believe me, then go get the flyer that Mr. White produced, which says, does the Bible teach sola scriptura? That's the issue. Don't forget that. Don't let him try to fool you. Mr. White uses the pen analogy. I find that very intriguing. He argues that to prove there is no other pen like this pen, he would have the impossible task of searching the entire earth, all the bookstores, all the pockets, the whole earth. He would have to visit the moon. He'd have to search all the planets in the solar system. He would have to search the entire universe to make sure that no other pen like this pen existed. No, Mr. White. Tonight, this Bible is your universe. This is what you have to search. You don't have to go to any other planets tonight, Mr. White. I invite you to stay right here on planet Earth 
and simply show us where in the Bible the doctrine of Sola Scriptura is found. And hence, you show me a tradition, sir, an apostolic tradition that is binding upon Christians that is not found in the pages of the New Testament. Show us that apostolic tradition that we are told we must follow, we must accept, and uh, then we can move from there. You done? Okay, Mr. White, I'd uh, be happy to take you up on your challenge, and here it is. This canon of the New Testament is part of apostolic tradition. It's not found in Scripture, and it is binding. You believe in a closed canon. You believe that if we add to the Word of God, we're committing a sin. You would believe that the Mormons are wrong for adding the Book of Mormon to the Word of God. You believe that Revelation ceased at the death of the last apostle. Now, the canon of Scripture is something that I promised to hold you to, which you have not yet addressed. At least you haven't given us an answer. That is one apostolic tradition that is binding, Mr. White, and it's not found in Scripture. It's divine revelation, and it's binding on the consciences of, of Christians who, as you would say, hear the voice of their Savior and recognize it. There it is. How do you answer that? <laughs> 